It's the show the establishment warned you about. That's right. It's the Dr. Tommy Show. We're back here in Tampa, Florida, where the Tampa Bay Lightning are facing an uphill battle to try to tie. Actually, not try to tie, to try to get within uh, two of the Avalanche who just beat them last night. They're down one, two, three, and they have a big game coming up. Friday in Colorado, and if they don't win that game, then they're out of the series. Thank you for joining us at the Dr. Tommy Show on uh, online is drtommy.com slash podcast. Next week, I will not be doing a live podcast because we'll be out of town. So I'm going to replay the podcast I did back in uh, 2016 with Dr. Walter Williams, uh, the late Dr. Walter Williams. There's been some uh, new developments just before, just this afternoon before we got on the air. The Supreme Court has ruled on the uh, New York City's concealed carry requirements. And this is from Breitbart. It says, Supreme Court strikes down New York's proper clause requirement for concealed carry. It says, this case challenges New New York's requirement applicants demonstrate, quote, proper calls to carry a firearm. And it says that the uh, the New York regularly uses this requirement to deny applicants the right to carry a firearm outside their home. So basically, the New York law was if you wanted to carry a firearm, you had to show why you needed to carry a firearm. And this was a, uh, a lawsuit that was brought by the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus uh, Bruntz. It's centered on de- denials for permits under New York's concealed carry permitting law. And they filed suit. And uh, this is a obviously this is a win for gun rights owners or gun gun owners and gun rights because it, it it removes this obstacle to protecting yourself, which the government always is trying to uh, put up obstacles to you have exhibiting individual freedom, whether that be buying insurance, whether that be not getting a vaccine, uh, whether that be um, carrying a gun. And uh, this is a, a good sign that it was a six three decision. And so the uh, Supreme Court uh, swing vote of John Roberts apparently swung this way to uh, the conservatives this time. John Roberts is basically a moderate who swings either way. And um, so this this time he swung, thankfully, towards the concealed carry permit. Although it really wasn't important that he swung this way because it was going to be 5-4 the other way. Some people say if it's a 6-3 decision, it's better than a 5-4 decision. I don't know if that's the case. I think it just depends on who, who's the lawsuit about and who who's talking. Because uh, if I remember correctly, Roe v. Wade was a 5-4 uh, decision and that was held as sacrosanct as as much as the Eleventh Amendment, or sorry, as as Eleventh Commandment, is it, it could have been as sacrosanct as if there were an Eleventh Commandment. It was the right to abortion, which uh, is apparently under under uh, potential repeal now that the um, the Supreme Court draft memo was released from um, earlier this year, leaked, not released, leaked. They're trying to find out who did that. I guarantee you, if that if that if that was a uh, liberal opinion that was leaked and it was deemed to be potentially offensive to liberals, that person would have been found out that day, and uh, they would be currently serving prison time right now. But because it was ostensibly uh, designed to hurt the conservatives by leaking the Roe v. Wade decision early. Uh, it was it's swept under the rug. They're they're supposed to be doing some type of uh, investigation now, but who knows what'll ever happen with that. Either way, didn't turn out to hurt their side. That means the conservative side, because I think the more people talk about it, just like the more people talk about anything that has to do with limiting 
the power of the government or uh, limiting um, uh, the ability of for citizens to uh, defend themselves or, or whatever the case is, liberty in general. The more that people talk about it and understand, the more people will, will understand and, and favor the side of liberty. Not all the time. There's some people who are going to be anti-freedom no matter what. And this, this ruling here about the concealed carry permits would definitely uh, draw the ire of some people who don't think that you, you should have the right. They are anti-freedom. They are anti-liberty. They don't say that. They may not even realize it or know it, but they are. The people that would not allow you to have your own gun to protect yourself are anti-freedom and anti-liberty. The reason that they don't want you to have your own gun is because they know themselves they are not uh, smart enough to deal with it. And uh, they may end up shooting themselves or shooting other people, or they think that they know and they know better than you and, and they're better than you and then you shouldn't have it. Either way, they're anti-freedom and anti-liberty. And so that's a great thing that we've had this um, lawsuit fall on the side of the uh, conservative or liberty oriented causes or calls and uh, for liberty oriented people. Uh, for anybody who's trying to get their Liz Cheney fix, I have a bad news for you. The Liz Cheney uh, show trials are not going to be shown until after the July 4th re, uh, break. Uh, it says here that this is from Red State. January 6th hearings are in limbo again for a laughable reason. Uh, they told us, uh, they said that they're going to uh, delay the hearings. It says, Benny Thompson tells us, after, this is from uh, uh, Twitter, I guess, Politico. Benny Thompson tells us after Thursday, the select committee will resume hearings in July. <clears throat> the panel is reassessing its schedule after significant new tranches of information have arrived, including documentary footage, NARA productions, and new tips. So they're going to delay it because they got to go through all this good information. And so if you're out there at home and you're trying to get your uh, you know, Liz Cheney fix, uh, you're going to have to wait or, or watch reruns. What else? Um, so that's the January 6th kangaroo court is no longer in session until after July, until July. Uh, Andrew Gillum is the guy who ran for governor down here in Florida. Uh, Ron DeSantis beat him, but did not beat him by a, a wide margin, only won by 32,000 votes. I say only because there's, I think they say there's 23 million people here. In Florida, but either way, down here in the free state, this uh, Andrew Gillum was running. He was this uh, Tallahassee mayor, and he was groomed to be the next big star in the Democrat Party. And now he has been indicted. This is from American Greatness. It says Florida Democrat Andrew Gillum charged with campaign fraud, false statements. Former Democrat gubernatorial candidate was indicted on Wednesday for campaign contribution frauds charges stemming from his 2018 run for governor. So this guy uh, was running for governor and got this uh, fraud, apparently, indictment for things that he did between 2016 and 2019. It says a federal grand jury returned a 21 count indictment alleging that between 2016 and 19, Gillum 42 and co-defendant Sharon Janet Letman Hicks conspired to commit wire fraud by illegally soliciting and obtaining funds from various entities and individuals through false and fraudulent promises and representations that the funds would be used for a legitimate purpose. It says that they were disguised as payroll payments and sent to Gillum for his personal use. And uh, Gillum denies that he's, uh, he, he denies he's, uh, 
guilty. He says, I've spent the last 20 years of my life in public service and continue to fight for the people. Uh, there's been a target on my back ever since I was mayor of Tallahassee. And this is not legal. It's political, blah, blah, blah. Gillum's attorneys are Mark Elias and David Oscar Marcus. This Mark Elias guy is the uh, guy that was a, a fusion GPS uh, um, uh, attorney. I believe that's he was a fusion GPS attorney. Anyway, he was he is connected with he's connected with almost every big Democrat operation in the recent uh, history, and he was uh, connected uh, with Hillary Clinton, and he's been connected with all kind. Like I said, he's been anytime there's some big kind of dim, big Democrat election thing going on, uh, Mark Elias is there. He was with um, Perkins Coie, and then they uh, I guess I guess he's no longer with them. He's all on his own now. I think they were scared that there was going to be some stuff come down from him, uh, for him from the uh, Durham Durham uh, investigation. But who knows if that'll ever happen? Uh, we have a new information or new uh, news here that says that Publix is not going to give the COVID vaccine for kids under five. Offers no explanation. This is from the Daily Wire. Florida-based grocery chain Publix drew a hard line Tuesday on COVID vaccines for children under the age of five, saying that their pharmacies would not administer the shots to children under five despite the recent emergency use authorizations. This took some guts because I tell you, this is not the mainstream of uh, political establishment to do this. Uh, I think and they I think they got a little bit of um, courage to do this, not saying that this is the only reason. But I'm sure that the fact that Ron DeSantis has taken a stand against administering the uh, COVID shot or recommending the COVID shot, let's not put this, put it this way. If you're in Florida and you want your child at six months old to five years to get the COVID shot, you are perfectly able to get it. You will be able to get it from your pediatrician, just like always. It's just that the Florida government, the Department of Health is not uh, recommending it. They are not forbidding you from getting it. They are not putting you in jail if you give it to your child. They are just not recommending it. And for that, they've been uh, labeled as uh, anti-child and, and trying to uh, stand in the way of, of kids just uh, being able to live freely. Because once they get their vaccina vaccination, according to uh, the experts, then, of course, they will not get COVID. Oh, well, I don't think they say that. They say it will protect them, uh, protect them using this uh, very broad generalization that they will protect them. But as we learned from the hearings with Rand Paul and uh, uh, Dr. Fauci, the only evidence that they used to approve this, not the only evidence, the compelling evidence they used to show that this was beneficial for children under age five, from six months to five years old, was that they developed antibodies. And so because they had developed an antibody response, therefore this, this vaccine was deemed to be appropriate for those children. And Ron DeSantis is the one to say, I don't think so. And now Publix says, look, we're not going to do it either. And I don't blame them because this is an experimental vaccine, despite the fact that it has a FDA approval. It was approved under emergency use authorization. If they really wanted uh, people to have confidence in the in the shot, uh, I think they would approve it under a non-emergency use authorization. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, COVID started widespread in the United States in, in uh, March of 2020. Uh, it is now June of 2022. Why are they still approving vaccines under emergency use authorizations? When is the emergency going to end? Is this going to be like the Afghanistan war where we went in to uh, get rid of bin Laden and 20 years later, we were still there. 
Uh, is it going to be that as long as COVID walks the face of the earth, then we're going to be under an emergency use authorization and we're going to allow these uh, procedure or sorry, these uh, medical, uh, uh, we call them vaccines, medical treatments to be pushed on the market under emergency use authorization. I think people would feel more, more confident and more willing to give them the shots or get the shot if it wasn't produced on emergency use, because what's the emergency? They say, well, you know, children are still getting COVID and, and things like that. Um, okay. Kids are still getting COVID, right. And kids that get vaccinated presumably will still get COVID too. So what's the rush to give them an emergency use authorization COVID vaccine at this point in time? And, and beyond that, we're still inoculating people with a spike protein mrna from the original COVID virus have you ever got a flu shot and they said hey we, we got the flu shot this is the one from uh, three years ago do you want it you would say no because obviously you know that the flu uh vaccine is not is not uh the same year after year after year after year so why would the COVID vaccine be different um so this is that's just something we're going to have to uh I have to learn to deal with is that emergency use authorization is something that they're going to use as a, as a tool to rush these things to market. And it said that the company did not plan to offer any explanation. That's good for them. They don't need to offer an explanation. It's, it speaks for itself. They don't want to give it. And that's it. If you want to get it, I'm sure uh, Walgreens and CVS will have it. Um, this is something that's a little scary. This is from conservative. I'm sorry. This is from American greatness. Deborah Hine. American Board of Internal Medicine threatens to revoke medical licenses from COVID docs Peter McCullough and Pierre Corey. The American Board of Internal Medicine is threatening to revoke the medical license of two leaders in the alternative medicine response to the COVID pandemic, doctors Peter McCullough and Pierre Corey, for allegedly, quote, providing false and inaccurate information to patients. So Peter McCullough is an internist, cardiologist, epidemiologist. So he's been one of the ones to uh, speak out against uh, the COVID vaccine and a lot of the COVID uh, establishment protocols that have been put in place. But mostly he's been the one to sound the alert on the problems with the COVID vaccine, in particular, uh, COVID-related heart conditions like myocarditis and pericarditis. Um, and uh, so apparently the American Board of Internal Medicine has now sent him a letter and they have advised him that uh, basically he's he's uh, run afoul of their uh, of, of what they think should be done. And he is going to uh, potentially be um, um, punished for doing this. Um, it says, CEO and president of the American Board of Internal Medicine, Dr. Richard Barron, wrote to both doctors to let them know that the board would be meeting to, quote, determine whether to recommend any disciplinary sanction, in quotes, against them regarding their views on the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic. So what are these guys advocating? Well, some of the things they're advocating are treatments that aren't uh, considered uh uh, what, what, what the medical establishment would consider a correct treatment. So a lot of it has got to do with ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, all the usual things that you're aware of. And um, like I said, in speaking out against COVID-19 vaccines in, in, the, in the guise of saying what could potentially happen with the COVID-19 vaccines. And because of this, they are now being uh, kind of bullied into um, – in, into uh, silence, it seems like. And this is what McCullough told uh, uh, it's a podcast, I think, High Wire, High Wire 
uh, host Del Bigtree. McCullough told Highwire host Del Bigtree last week that he was, quote, shocked to receive a letter from the ABIM after being board certified by the organization since 1991 as both an internist and later as a cardiologist. He goes, uh, I poured thousands of dollars in that organization in, count- in countless years of my life. Uh, I'm widely published person. I'm the most widely pers- published person on heart kidney interactions in the whole world. In the last two years of COVID-19, I have produced, provided scholarship. I have 56 peer-reviewed papers in the literature, brought the world early treatment protocols. I've been a careful analytic physician and a careful commentator commenter on vaccine safety and efficacy. It says McCullough said he responded to the ABIM with letters near 24 pages long. So this is a problem. It's when you are in the medical establishment and you're starting to speak out against the things that the medical establishment says you should not speak out against. Uh, then you can be punished pro- professionally for doing that. And uh, he, uh, he, um, he would like to have an open forum about this and have a debate. And that's what you really need, whether it's a debate upon uh, COVID-19 protocols, whether it's a debate on climate change, whether it's a debate on abortion, whether it's a debate on uh, um, a gun, gun rights or gun control. That's what we need is more debate. But every time from the left, you'll see that they don't want debate. They want to have shutdown of debate. They want to have silence. They want to have you uh, not do what, whatever it is that they don't approve of and just shut up and fall in the line and do what they want to they want you to do. So these guys, Peter McCullough and uh, uh, Corey, Pierre Corey, are being disciplined. And I have here a few different things on ivermectin. These are both from PubMed. So here's one. It's a, a role of ivermectin in the prevention of SARS-CoV-2 infection among healthcare workers in India, a matched case control study. And I'm just going to read the end of it. It says here, conclusion. This is about prophylaxis of using ivermectin for prophylaxis. It says, conclusion. Two-dose ivermectin prophylaxis at a dose of 300 micrograms with a gap of 72 hours uh, was associated with a 73% reduction of SARS-CoV-2 infection among healthcare workers for the following month. So this was about chemoprophylaxis in India, and it said that they gave these people uh, prophylaxis with a dose of of, prophylaxis. Ivermectin, two doses, but 72 hours apart, and for the whole month, the following month, it had a 73% reduction in SARS-CoV-2 infection. Okay, so that's one story on ivermectin. Here's another story on ivermectin. It's from PubMed. Evaluation of ivermectin as a potential treatment for mild to moderate COVID-19, a double-blinded Double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled trial in eastern India. Conclusions. Inclusion of ivermectin and treatment regimen of mild to moderate COVID-19 patients could not, could not be said with certainty based on our study results as it had only shown marginal benefits in successful discharge from the hospital and no other observed benefits. So they're saying that they should not include it. They're, they had no... They had no uh, overwhelming evidence to say that you should include ivermectin because it only had a marginal benefit and successful discharge from the hospital and no other observed benefits. So in my mind, that's not even a tie. That's probably leaning more towards ivermectin. But anyway, let's call that a tie in saying that ivermectin is not very useful. So there we go. We have two studies, both from India, that say ivermectin is either good or not good or marginal or marginal Marginal benefit at, at best. Why is it that Peter McCullough should be censored for his belief in uh, using ivermectin or any other alternatives when it's it's clear when you review things that there are different outcomes that people get 
from using uh, ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. And if you silence somebody like uh, Pierre, Corey, or Peter McCullough, and don't allow them to talk about it, then you're going to lose out potentially on uh, uh, some of the health benefits that come from uh, alternative treatments or alternative points of view. You know, there's a time when it was thought that the COVID-19 vaccine would prevent COVID-19 infection because it was called a vaccine and because uh, Joe Biden said so and because uh, uh, Dr. Fauci said so and because everyone was uh, forced, not everyone, but a lot of people were forced to get the vaccine under the premise that if you got the vaccine, then you would not get COVID and you would not spread it to others and we would get the COVID zero. Dr. Rachel uh, Rochelle Walensky from the CDC is another one. So all these things were at one time established uh like they used to like they like to say settled science this is settled science you know like climate change is settled science so at one time it was settled science that the vaccine would prevent covid transmission prevent covid infection and if just enough people got the vaccine if we if we just force enough people to get the vaccine this emergency use vaccine then the covid situation would end and we'd all be back to our uh, happy lives. And here we are two years later facing economic downturns because of the COVID lockdowns, uh, because of the government action and, uh, and a spiraling out of control economy with people losing their jobs, all because the, the, the government response to the COVID infection was completely, if not completely, almost completely incorrect on how they, how they responded to it from the lockdowns to the uh the forced vaccination to the uh the elimination of any other uh alternatives or or attempted elimination of alternatives like they are trying to do to peter mccullough to shut him up so that he doesn't speak about things that are different than what the establishment uh, belief system is based on uh based on what they believe you should do with covid and that's that's what it is today so you're you're a physician out there now Today, it's it's covid uh, protocols and whether or not, you know, you should whether or not you're the one to champion Paxlovid, which is the uh, brand new drug that actually it's a repackaged drug from before, but they're using it again. Now they're using it for covid. And it's um, it's been shown that if you give someone Paxlovid, they may uh, get over covid or they may get over covid and come right back. And then that's called a rebound. Uh, infection from COVID, similar to like if you had what you never hear now, they call breakthrough COVID. You never hear that word anymore. If you Google the breakthrough COVID right now, breakthrough COVID infection, here's what you'll get. On Google, you'll get some articles from 2021, probably the latest would be December, but mostly from 2021 that'll say breakthrough COVID is a very, very, very rare event that can happen when you get a COVID vaccine. And if you search on uh, YouTube, you may find a, a video of a, of Joe Biden spitting and stammering and saying that, look, if you just get it, it's a one in a 5,000 chance. You're not going to get COVID. You may find something like that from Joe Biden. But either way, breakthrough COVID was a fallacy. Breakthrough COVID is not a thing. It is not a one in 5,000 chance of you getting COVID if you've had the vaccine. It's absolutely untrue. Anybody knows that now. But again, this was a one-time settled science. This was what was considered the protocol. And this is the kind of thing that if it were to rewind now, if Peter McCullough was talking about that, the ABIM may be coming after him for that. And then what's next on the horizon? Well, the new thing is transgender uh, transgender surgeries, transgender treatments, hormone blockers, puberty blockers, things like that. What if you're a physician now and you start saying, well, I don't think we should be giving puberty blockers to uh, children. 
Uh, I don't think we should be giving a, uh, we should be asking children, what, are you a boy or a girl? And then based on what they say at five years old, starting them on some type of irreversible treatment that may harm them uh, very much mentally and physically for the rest of their lives, based on what they said at five years old um, or, or even, even older, younger or older. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that what is established now in the medical establishment as being the correct thing. If you go outside of that, the chances of you uh, being harmed uh, either professionally or otherwise you have your reputation harmed or great. And the only way you're, that we're going to see um, a reversal of that is for common ordinary people to stand up and see it for what it is and see it for the, uh, the bullying that it is and see it for what it is as far as limiting uh, the fund of knowledge of people out there to understand and be able to uh, to acquire knowledge and then decide for themselves what they think is right. Uh, but you know, if you're going to bully doctors into doing only certain things, uh, then you're missing out. You know, I have a I have a um, a personal uh, story of uh, when. You know, I have I have personal evidence and also anecdotal evidence from my own clinic that if you go most people, not everybody, but if you go on a high fat, high fat, high protein diet, then your cholesterol levels and your triglyceride levels will improve, meaning your HDL will go up, your LDL bad cholesterol will go down and your triglycerides will go down if you eat a diet that is heavy in animal fat and protein. Now. That is considered a blasphemy in the cardiology circles or the medical establishment circles. If I tried to publish a paper like that uh, while I was in residency, I would not be allowed to. Or if I tried to give a presentation on that, I probably would not be allowed to. But that's exactly what happened for me. And that's what exactly happened with other people in our practice. Like I said, it may not happen with everybody, but it does happen for some people. But the idea that you have to have... Uh, acceptance only of what the medical establishment says is what is limiting uh, your ability to uh, and learn about different things and also to uh, be able to potentially uh, be exposed to the quote-unquote truth because um, the truth about uh, dietary uh, stuff is as you can as everybody has seen over the years it's lived long enough how many times have you seen that eggs are bad for you or good for you it, it goes back and forth. Same with, uh, uh, you know, all the different things about brand, taking brand for colon cancer. You know, you, there's a lot of different things that have come and gone through the years. Uh, and, and right now, it may be one thing, but in a few years, it may be another thing. But if you're going to limit what can be said, uh, that's the reason for free speech. And that's the reason for freedom in general is the freedom to understand things. Uh, and the freedom to uh, absorb things and decide for yourself, just like you have the freedom to defend yourself if you want to with a firearm. If you want to go outside New York and uh, have walk around with a firearm because you feel comfortable with it and you feel safe, then uh, you should be allowed to do that. As long as your freedoms extend from uh, freedom is basically like Walter Williams said, freedom is very, or I'm sorry, freedom rights are very easy to understand. Rights are someone that everyone has simultaneously and you're born with them. So the things that you have, uh, you have the right to uh, the, you have the right to speech. You have the right to uh, uh, you have the right to bear arms. You have the right to uh, uh, congregate and associate with people that you like and your rights do not impinge on other people's rights. So that's when some people say, well, I have the right to health care. 
or I have the right to an abortion. Well, if you have the right to health care, then your rights mean that if you can't provide yourself with health care, then you're going to get it from somebody else and they're going to have to pay for it. And if you say I have the right to an abortion because it's my body, what about the uh, the, the fetus or the, the human embryo that's in your body? What is their rights? It goes back to the, the whole thing about abortion, too, is there's a fundamental uh, a fundamental argument that you have to make about abortion. And is that when and when is it OK or not to kill a human? When is it OK or not to kill a human? Uh, is it OK to kill a human based on age, uh, viability, or is it OK or not to kill a human based on what they've done? And in some cases, it's OK to he- kill a human. Uh, it's OK to, for instance, on death row to put someone to death because they have committed crimes that have been judged to have uh, risen to the level of capital punishment. Uh, but it, so when you're talking about abortion for one of the things they have to say, well, I have the right to abortion. Was well, it your right to abortion? Uh, when is it your right to end a life? And as we've seen in California, now they think there's some people that should have the right to end a life of a, of a person based on their age or viability all the way past infancy. I mean, all the way into infancy. So there's, you know, laws that they're trying to pass on the books out in California. I believe they actually did that make infanticide um, to a certain age, not a crime. So those are the kinds of things you deal with, but you got to remember that rights are something that exists among everyone simultaneously and your rights cannot impose on others. And that's how you know if it's a right or not. Otherwise it's either something that's really good to have like healthcare for all is not a right, but it would be really good to have. Or food. Food is uh, something that people say, well, foods are right. Housings are right. Those are things that would be really nice to have. Uh, But what is a right is your right to be free, basically. Your right as an individual of liberty, not to be molested, not to be harassed, not to have your properties taken from you, not to have your... Uh, yourself harmed because you you yourself are your own property as as Walter Williams says. And that's how you know that uh, if if something, it belongs to you is if you have the right to sell it, that's another thing. And so if, um, if we were to stop and think about things like that on a little bit more concrete basis, we'd have a wider understanding of what uh, is and is not allowed by the government and what should be the proper role of government. And the proper role of government is not to tell people that they can't, speak on certain things medically uh, unless they are completely uh, fallacious and provable. That would be provable if Peter McCullough was saying things that were so fallacious and dangerous that they were causing problems. It has not been proved that. Or if you're, if you're, uh, if you, if you're the government, you should not be able to tell people that they can't defend themselves because you're like Michael Moore and you're scared that you'll be, you'll shoot your own self because you're not that good with a gun. That's your own problem. And you cannot impose your weakness on other people, your limitations on other people and pretend that you're doing society a good. Anyway, it was good to talk to you guys. We'll see you next uh, time. In the meantime, you'll see Dr. Walter Williams next week or hear him on the podcast rewind and have a good weekend till next time. Bye-bye.